You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What is up, everybody? It's time for another stochastic and DFS by the numbers crossover. Here we're going to be breaking down a, actually a really good fight night taking place with a lot of Hispanic fighters here. We've got a UFC fight night, two five-round fights, both the main event and the co-main event. Lots of bangers for Braden and I to break down. So do us a favor as you're watching this. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, but the Stochastic YouTube channel as well as the DFS by the Numbers channel. I'll be posting my full slate breakdown on Friday, working through our Sims tools, projected ownerships, and all the different fighters I'm getting to. And Brady always has an abundance of content up on the DFS by the Numbers channel. Everything from Prize picks, DraftKings betting, he's got everything covered over there. So go check out all of Brady's content. And uh, Brady, let's start by talking about really whichever one you want to talk about, whether it's the main event or the co-main event. Who's your favorite fighter to target in the five-round fights? Because we do have two of them to talk about this week. Yeah, I love both the five-round fights. I'm going to be targeting them heavily. But I think my favorite guy out of all of them is going to be Brandon Moreno at 8,800. I don't know. It just seems like this price tag's, you know, kind of low for the way I'm seeing this fight. And money has came in on Moreno. He was around minus 250s, now minus 290. And I just really like him to win this matchup. You know, he has five rounds to work with, you know, decent volume on the feet. But where I think he can really rack up some points is going to be with the wrestling, with the grappling. And although, you know, Moreno's never really been the best wrestler in the world, he can absolutely get fights down the mat. And he doesn't really need to be the best wrestler because he's taking on, uh, you know, Brandon Roy Val, who has a 40% takedown defense. We saw Rogerio Bontarin take Roy Val down eight times in a, in a three-round fight. We obviously just saw Pantoja take down Roy Val, I think, another eight times um, last fight. So, yeah, the path for Moreno is going to be there. And like I said, he's not the best wrestler, but, I mean, he doesn't need to be. He's going to get fights down the mat multiple times. And he's a really good grappler as well. So I can see him getting takedowns, control time. I think on the feet, both guys are going to have high volume. And 8,800, I think he, he definitely pays off this price tag. I'm just struggling to find like a path to victory for Roy Val. Is he going to be the first person to knock out Moreno? Is he going to be the pers- first person to sub Moreno? Is he going to win a decision? He, he doesn't really win decisions. So I like Moreno here. I think he's you know pretty safe as well. This guy has 30 fights and has never been finished. And he's fought just a ton of killers in the flyweight division, including Davis and Figueredo four different times. So it's uh it's Brandon Moreno for me at 8,800. It's the exact same one for me, Brady. And uh, for, for your audience, because you're doing all MMA content, this maybe might not be as applicable to my audience, but I, I view as fighting Brandon Roy Val almost like playing a course field if it's uh, MLB DFS type tournament, because Roy Val just gives up so much offense. He he has no takedown defense. He has no striking defense. He has a ton of output and offense on the feet, but he's not a minutes winner despite that, just because of how much damage he absorbs, how often he gets taken down. And I know a lot of people are going to look at the Moreno-Roy Val first fight, and they're going to say, well, yeah, but Roy Val hurt his shoulder. It was maybe a little bit of a fluky outcome. And to an extent, like the finish was fluky, but the results up to the finish were not. We saw Brandon Moreno go two of two on takedown attempts. He held three minutes of control time before ultimately Roy Val's shoulder gave out and he wasn't able to continue. But I mean, Brandon Roy Val, if you look at just the overall metrics on him, he has 45% striking defense, 40% takedown defense. He's always moving forward. So 
I really think however Moreno wants to win this fight, he can. He could end up finishing Roy Val. He could outstrike him. He could outwrestle him. And the only real path to victory that I realistically give Brandon Roy Val is finishing Brandon Moreno. Like you had mentioned, is, is he going to finish Moreno? Well, that, that's not really something we see happen to Brandon Moreno. So I really like Brandon Moreno of all the fighters, of all four of them, in the two five main, uh, five, the two five round fights. Even Brandon Moreno is my favorite overall on the target. $8,800. And I think he's the highest ceiling of any fighter on the entire card, even more so than some of the fighters who are priced above him. It doesn't mean there are bad targets in that 9K plus range. And I don't know if you have a, fin- a favorite one to look at there, Brady, but overall, I like Moreno the most as a payup option, but anybody else that you are eyeing as a payup choice? Yeah, um, somebody that I do like, somebody that we've talked about a million times at this point, it, it's Edgar Chares going against Daniel Lacerda da Silva. I'm hoping this fight actually happens. <laughs> Um, and hopefully, you know, we can finally settle, settle whatever's going on here. Yeah. He's 9,300 and he's taken on Daniel Lacerda, who is just the definition of a kill or be killed fighter. This guy Lacerda has 16 fights. I think all 16 of them have finished before the third round has started. And yeah, Daniel Lacerda, he's, he's very hittable, only has about maybe three minutes of gas. Um, we are in very high elevation here in Mexico city. So probably only has like one minute of gas this time. Like I'm going to be shocked if Lacerda walked out and was gassed down like the walkout uh, this week. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Charles for me. I think he probably even finishes maybe in the first round this time. We saw Victor Altamirano finish Daniel Lacerda in the first round. We saw um, the bad figgy finish Daniel Lacerda in the first round. Charles, he's never been knocked out, which I think is key. And um, yeah, Charles has a 100% finish rate as well, I believe. So yeah, I, I like Charles here, 9,300. I think he gets to finish in this one. Yeah, the, the last fight between them was a crazy no contest, if you guys don't remember, where it was essentially a fight that Charles was about to finish, but then ended up getting stopped a little bit too soon. So it was a fight where... I don't know. What do you think? Another 15 seconds or so, and Charles was going to win anyway. And the funny thing about Lacerda is it saved his job. He would have gotten cut if, if that fight mm-hmm. actually was stopped 15 seconds later for what you had mentioned. I mean, Lacerda's run in the UFC so far, finishing the second round by Jeff Molina, finishing the first round by, like you said, the bad figgy, finishing the first round by Victor Altamirano, finishing the second round by CJ Lacerda, a, a fight where he smashed uh, uh, Vergara in the first round of that fight did Lacerda and then just totally fell apart. Like you said, lack of cardio. So I agree with you. I think Charles is a really good payup option. He's somebody who I'm going to be targeting. Another fighter who I like is going to be Rahul Rosas Jr. And I know he's really young. He's still very green. He's not somebody I have super high confidence in once he starts facing better competition. We saw him fall short against Christian Rodriguez, but Ricky Turkios is just simply not that And if you look at some of the numbers on Raul Rosas Jr., we know he's going to aggressively look to wrestle. He lands 3.57 takedowns per 15 minutes. Turkios only has a 45% takedown defense. And then on top of that, I don't even know that we could really count on Ricky Turkios to do anything at all in this fight. I know he was super active when we saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, but then we see him fighting in the UFC, takes on Eamon Zahabi, lands 27 significant strikes in one of the worst 15-minute fights I've ever seen in my entire life. Then his last fight against Kevin Natividad, sure, he ends up winning, but it's a split decision. He lands 68 significant strikes, and he got taken down seven times in that fight. If Kevin Natividad is going to take down Turkio seven times, I don't see any reason that Oh Rosas Jr. cannot have that kind of success. So it's not just the fact that I expect him to win, but it's when he does win, I think he scores a lot of fantasy points this matchup. So give me Raul Rosas Jr. And then uh, talking about the mid-range, Brady, anything that's standing out to you in the fighters that are priced around that 8K range? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, there's that Yaya Rodriguez Brian Ortega five round fight. I think that's a great fight to target. Um, but the, my favorite fight to target in this mid range is going to be the Manuel Torres Chris Duncan fight. Eight thousand three hundred for Torres, Chris Duncan seven thousand nine hundred. My preferred play would be Manuel Torres. This is a guy that obviously you know Mexican fighter. He has sixteen fights on his record. Fifteen of those have finished in the first round, which is ridiculous. You know this guy is a killer-be-killed fighter. He's been finished twice. Both those came in the first round. This guy has 13 first-round finishes. The one fight that did leave the first round actually went to decision, believe it or not. But other than that, this guy's just a one-round banger. He's taken on Chris Duncan, who the one thing that concerns me about Chris Duncan in this matchup is, you know, his last two fights, he's been a lot more hesitant than usual. You know, typically Chris Duncan is down to go out there and, and stand and bang like he did against Slava Borshev like he did um, against Charlie Campbell. Um, but we've seen like a more patient, a more you know smarter version of Chris Duncan. But I have a feeling Torres is going to maybe bring out the, the old version of Chris Duncan. I'm hoping these guys stand and bang. And if they do, I think someone's getting served in these first five minutes. And yeah, I lean Torres. This guy has a ton of power. Chris Duncan, we've seen him hurt. We've seen him knocked out. He's hittable. Um, so yeah, give me Torres here. But I will say if this fight does reach the second round, it probably does heavily favor Chris Duncan. Chris Duncan has shown that he can go 15 minutes, whereas Torres really hasn't shown that all too much. But yeah, give me Torres to hopefully go out there and get the first round KO. Minus 700 for this fight to finish inside the distance. So uh, like you're mentioning, the mid-range price tag, I, I don't have a super strong feel on who's going to win this fight. It is one that I really do like targeting. I do have one follow-up question for you, though, Brady. And that is, what do you make of Manuel Torres' takedown defense? Just because we haven't really seen him get tested at all in the wrestling department in the UFC. He does have a 100% takedown defense on paper, but part of it is because you look at who he's fought against. It's been Nicholas Moda, Frank Camacho, where he knocked out in a few minutes, and then his contender series fight. But his two losses did both come by submission. Chris Duncan has been a little bit more wrestle-heavy as of late. Uh, what do you make of Manuel Torres' takedown defense if Chris Duncan does decide to end up going with a wrestling-heavy game plan? Yeah, we really don't know. There's not a lot of footage out there of his takedown defense other than that Camacho fight. And for what it's worth, his takedown defense did look good, but it was against like a 39-year-old you know, Frank Camacho. So I think it's pro it's probably going to be tested here, to be honest, because that's what Chris Duncan's been doing as of late, is, is going out there and wrestling, especially in that Omar Morales fight. And that probably should be the game plan here, but but we'll see. So I'm going to, uh, that was one of the fights I was going to target about, but I had a backup here because I figured there was a pretty good chance we were going to talk about the uh, Torres-Duncan fight. I'm going to talk about Christian Quinones taking on Haoni Barcelos. And I used to be really high on Barcelos, and he never really got an opportunity to fight up in the ranks when he was actually in his prime. Now he's 36 years old. He's going to be turning 37 in a couple of months. And that's a massive concern for me at Bantamweight. Maybe I'm a, overacting a little bit because I was high on Volk last week. And then in hindsight, I, I was kind of thinking like, ah, I should have been a little bit heavier on Tapori and had slightly more balanced exposure because I did have concerns about the age of Volkanovsky. And ultimately I kind of didn't really weigh that as much as I probably should have. And I don't really want to make that mistake with how Barcelos this week, because I've been very concerned about his durability in recent fights. You look at his last few got knocked down by Kyler Phillips, didn't get finished in that fight, but still he got hurt in the early going in that fight, got knocked out in the first round against Umar Nurmagomedov. Trevin Jones didn't hurt him, but Trevin Jones landed 11 significant strikes and didn't do anything the entire fight. That's the easiest way to not get knocked out is just fight somebody who just stands there and doesn't really do anything. Victor Henry landed 181 significant strikes on Haoni Barcelos. And now I start to look at a prospect in Christian Quinones who 
I'm not super high on him relative to how high I was on Barcelos a few years ago, but he fights with a lot of pace. He lands north of five significant strikes per minute. And I just get concerned in an extended fight. Is the durability of Barcelos going to hold up? And based on what we've seen in recent fights, I'm going to say probably not. So with that being the in mind for me, the age of Barcelos, I'm going to take Quinones to win probably by a second or third round finish and get Barcelos out of there. So uh, for me, if I'm looking at somebody in the mid-range, give me Christian Quinones. And now let's talk about punt plays, Brady. Is there anybody for a really cheap price tag that you're liking for this slate? You did hit on last week, uh, Val Woodburn, who even in a loss ended up yeah. being in the optimal lineup because there was a lot of close fights. And even in hindsight, I thought like, boy, a lot of those fights were probably mislined because like Paulo Costa was very competitive with Robert Whitaker. We saw Jeff Neal very competitive with Ian Gary, but ultimately none of the underdogs ended up winning who were priced cheaply. Are there any of you think picks up a win this weekend? Man, to be honest, like, I don't like anything, like, down to this low range, like, Sam Hughes, no. Uh, Daniel Lacerda would, would be probably the one, like, you got to play him. Do I think he wins? No. But, hey, he, when he when he wins, he's going to completely, you know, break the slate. Uh, Victor Altamirano, no. Eric Silva, maybe. Ricky Tercios, no. Francisco Prado, maybe. Maybe some Roy Val. You know, the, a, a guy that I do like that is semi-cheap, not really in the punt range, would be, uh, Christian Quinones, like you mentioned, um, and then Claudio Poya, 7,500. I think people are going to be very low on him after that Dan Hooker fight. And, and rightfully so, he looked horrible. But prior to that, he did you know, rally off four straight wins. And he's a BJJ black belt. That's his game. He's a very good grappler, very dangerous on the mat. And that's what Farah Zayim has struggled with uh, you know, a lot of his career. You know, Zayim's been submitted three times in his career. He has good takedown defense. But you know, if this fight does hit the mat, uh, Poise is going to be very live to get that submission at any point in the fight. So Poise would be a guy, Quinones would be that guy. But yeah, I'm really struggling down in this low range. Same. And, you know, like last week, I ended up being on the wrong side. I said, like, boy, there's so many live underdogs. I didn't, like, I wasn't outright picking any of them to win, but I felt like this, some of these fights are so close that I just thought a couple of them would end up coming through. It didn't end up being the case. Val Woodburn ends up in the optimal lineup. I'm going to cheat a little bit here and just bring up Brian Ortega as somebody to talk about as a cheap option. I know I just went with Quinones in the mid-range and Ortega is actually more expensive than him. But really the point I want to make here is that this is a slate that I think makes more sense to build balanced lineups. And as far as Brian Ortega against Yair Rodriguez, we did see them fight last year and it was very inconclusive because Brian Ortega ended up suffering a shoulder injury. We didn't really get to see the fight play out. Yair Rodriguez was winning it for as long as it lasted, but Yair Rodriguez, the biggest concern that I have with him in this matchup is he does only have a 59% career takedown defense. And if you look at the recent fights that he's been in, he was taken down seven times by Volk. He was taken down once by Josh Emmett. Uh, Josh Emmett. Brian Ortega took him down once. Max Holloway took him down three times. Jeremy Stevens took him down three times. All the numbers indicate that at least at once, unless Yair Rodriguez lands an early knockout, Brian Ortega is probably landing a takedown. And given how dangerous Brian Ortega is as a grappler, that really might be all it takes for Brian Ortega to end up getting himself a submission. So I don't really love the punt range this week. It is one that I think you should make some balanced builds for. It's going to be Brian Ortega as somebody to target in the five-round uh, co-main event. And honestly, either of these fights, whether it's the main event, co-main event, they could headline or be a co co-main event on pretty much any single paper. It would be a great fight. So I'm really looking forward to this card. Any, any final thoughts on it, Brady? 
No, I could touch on the, the co-main event. I think the co-main event is very important this week. Um, like you mentioned, I think ba- balanced lineups is probably the way to go. This mid-range is completely stacked. Um, and then I even like, yeah, like I like Ralph Roses. He's not that expensive. I like Moreno. He's not that expensive. Um, but yeah, Yair Ortega, striker versus grappler matchup. If Yair wins, he's probably beating the crap out of Ortega on the feet. And if Ortega does win, He's getting the fight down at the Madden and getting that sub. So, yeah, th- those uh, that main and co-main, I think, are great fights to target this week. And that is going to do it for us, guys. If you have not done it, like the video, subscribe to both our channels, DFS by the Numbers and Stochastic. Hope you guys have a great week. Check out all the rest of Brady and I's content for the week, and we'll see you back here next week. Peace out. See you.